every hour today is just a revelation of a mystery. We have no way to predict uh, how uh, the morning goes with our three-service schedule. We've had a uh, blessed hour at 8.30 today, and uh, thank you for being here at this 9.45 hour. And as you leave, pray for us at 11.15 as we uh, continue to roll through this new schedule and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for uh, adapting to these changes in such a gracious way and such a willing way. And it's a great encourage, encouragement to me as your pastor. I don't know everything that everyone did this summer, but I know one thing everyone did this summer, and that's go somewhere. There, we are a going people. And uh, maybe uh, you have returned and gotten the suitcases back in the closet or the attic. Uh, we, I talked to people, I've heard from people that have gone to South Georgia and South America this summer. We've talked to people who've gone out west, up north, down south, and over east. Just uh, traveling, going, going, going. And I want to ask you, in all of this travel, did any of you forget anything? Yeah. A little chuckle here and there, forgot maybe a toothbrush, maybe a swimsuit, maybe forgot your medicines, uh, maybe forgot your pillow, a few of you looking around, cutting eyes at each other, uh, any of you forget your Bible, I, I gotta ask, did anybody forget a person, did you, did you, did you leave somebody, I, every time I think of that, I think uh, Carla and I were dating, we went on a mission trip together, it was with her church, and uh, two or three buses, uh, vans, and we left the youth pastor. And uh, the uh, one bus thought that he was on the bus with his wife, and the wife thought that he was on the other bus with other people, and we were way down the road uh, when a state trooper tracked us down, got in touch, and, um, and got us back with the youth pastor uh, that we had left. Uh, right here in our community, a lot of going. A lot of you are going back to school, back to practice, back to meetings, um, back to work every day. Uh, some of you are going on new adventures because of a new season that you're a part of in your life. And I'm certain that there are some right now here in this room that this day marks something new. Maybe some of you uh, today are here and it marks you going to church again for the first time in a long time. Or maybe you really sense in your heart that you're going toward God in a way starting right here at the 1st of August that you haven't in a long time. And I think about people in the room like that, I want to tell you that I love that you're here. And you're surrounded by people that love that you're here. This room was prayed over when it was empty so that people would be here. This community has been prayed over as we drive around the parking lot, as we drive through the communities. You've been prayed for that God would draw people here to be a part of what he's doing and what he wants to do in lives and what he wants to do in his church. I'm excited that you're here. Another thing I'm excited about is that as a church, we're a going church. And I mean that in relationship to the Great Commission. Jesus said in Matthew 28 for us to go, to go make disciples. In Acts 1.8, you have a map for that. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. For us, that translates into us being his witnesses in Watkinsville and in America, and in cultures that are not like us, maybe even in cultures that we think we don't like much at all. It means going to the ends of the earth. And a lot of you have gone. Uh, pastor Ravi, our missions pastor, told me recently that 124 of our people have gone on some type of short-term mission trip over the past year. One of the fun things about this morning, it's already happened, of people who are 
uh, back here on property. And there, a, a person said to me just a moment ago, when I got back from Turkey, and, and it's just it's, it's happening. People are, are going. We've gone to the ends of the earth this year. We've seen the first baptisms and the first church start meeting among the Bing people in Nepal this year. And many of you, beyond these numbers that I'm sharing with you, many of you have used your vacations as go-cations. Do you know what a, you know what a go-cation is? A go-cation is a vacation where you go on mission. You are going to see some area. You're going to do something fun. You're going to see family. You're going to do some kind of tourist attraction. But you go knowing that you go with the good news of Jesus Christ. And and, and it's happened. A lot of you have done that. No way to track that except for messages and notes that I get. I've gotten more than one picture from Boston this summer of people who went to Boston and while they were there, seeing Maine or some other part of the Northeast, sending pictures from our Gen Sin team that's there, sending pictures from Kings Hill Church, sending pictures with Jonathan Mosley, the pastor there. I one family in Boston, they gone to church there and sent me a picture of a homemade Pop-Tart from my favorite bakery in, uh, called The Flower in Boston. We had, I got notes from a pastor in Rome, Italy that said, hey, just wanted you to know, family from Watkinsville, Georgia, your church were in our church plant this morning in Rome, Italy. He was so encouraged that somebody on vacation had made the effort to do that. I love how we're going. I love that when we go, we have the good news of Jesus. As we go, we have this news of Jesus Christ. Listen, we have the good news of Jesus Christ that is life-giving for people. We have the good news of Jesus Christ that is sin-forgiving, death-defeating, demon-delivering. We have the good news of Jesus that is stronghold-breaking and hope-restoring. That's the good news of Jesus that we go with. It's the good news of Jesus that the world of people we interact with so desperately need. Wherever you go, you're interacting with people that need this kind of good news. Don't miss that. Wherever, it's, if it's a job or if it's a vacation, if it's, a, uh, if it's just a trip to the bank or a trip to the grocery store, if it's a walk out into the cul-de-sac or a trip down to practice, you're interacting with people that need this life-giving news of Jesus. People who need their sins forgiven like you needed and like I needed. There are people who will not talk to you about death or sickness because they're so scared of what death holds for them. They need to know that Jesus Christ has drawn the sting of death for us through the cross. We, go, we interact with people that are battling either with oppression or possibly even possession. There's demonic activity in their life. You're interacting with people that are being wrecked by strongholds. You're interacting with people that have managed to place their lives in beautiful homes, driving fancy cars, wear, wearing in-style clothes with well-manicured lawns. But on the inside of that house, they are gripped with the strongholds of cocaine or marijuana or alcohol. Or materialism or pornography and it is wrecking exhausting destroying their lives and as we interact with people we find them in impossible situations and we have good news and in all of our going I, I want to step in this morning on this first Sunday of August and and say a loud and a serious statement and here it is. Hey, don't forget. Probably some of you remember in the house hollering before that trip, hey, don't forget. And I'm saying to you this morning, hey, don't forget. And all of our going, don't forget the most needed necessity. And all of our going, what is the absolute most needed necessity? 
in all of our going, what is the absolute most urgent need for the life of others? People that are dealing with needing life, needing forgiveness, needing strongholds broken, needing hope restored. What do they need? What's the necessity that they need from us? Let me phrase the question like this. What is required for rescuing people from their impossible situations of life? What is necessary for rescuing people from their impossible situations in life? What is, what is necessary to rescue you from your impossible situation right now for your life? Let's open our Bibles together to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and then we'll look there just a moment and then move over to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 6, you have Jesus with his 12 apostles who get a new assignment. He's spent time with them. He has taught them. They have seen him do miracles. They're learning more about who he is and what he does. They're following him. And in Mark 6, verse 7, he gives a new assignment to those 12 apostles. He sends them out two by two, and he gives them authority over unclean spirits, and he sends them out to preach repentance to people. Look at it, verse 7, he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, wear sandals, don't put on two tunics. Look at verse 13, or verse 12. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Jesus sends them out two by two, gives them authority. They've been with him. They've seen him. They've had his presence. They have his power, and they go and they have great success. Cast out demons, heal people, preach repentance, Great success. People are rescued. Lives are changed. Why no bag? Why no bread? Why no money belt? I think Jesus wanted them to go in total dependence on his authority and power. He wanted them to not find security in their material possessions. Don't take something with you that's going to make you feel like, well, it'll all be okay because we got this stuff with us. Total dependence. And people were rescued. People in impossible situations experienced help and healing and new life. Their lives were changed. Now, move over to Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, a lot has happened. And their success changes. As you work your way to Mark chapter 9... Jesus has sent them out, and just the headings on those verses tell us the story. In Mark 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus walks on the water. Jesus heals the sick. Chapter 7, Jesus cast out a demon of a Syrophoenician woman, a demon of a daughter of a Syrophoenician woman. Jesus heals a deaf man. Chapter 8, Jesus feeds the 4,000. Jesus heals a blind man. Peter confesses that Jesus is Christ. Jesus tells them of his death, burial, and resurrection. And then in chapter 9, the first part of chapter 9, you have a literal mountaintop experience where Jesus takes three disciples, Peter, James, and John. They go up on the mountain. Jesus is transfigured, and they see him in all of his glory. And he interacts there with Elijah and Moses. It's a great demonstration of power and glory. And Peter loves it. He wants to build a tabernacle there. And he's like, let's just stay. But down in the valley... Some different things were going on. There were nine apostles back there in the valley. And verse 14 picks up with the story. They walk down off the mountain. They walk into the town. And here's what they find. Verse 14, chapter 9. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. Arguing with who? Arguing with those nine apostles that had been left behind. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, saw Jesus... They were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? He sees the disciples. He sees the apostles. He just comes down. And he's like, guys, 
I leave for a few minutes, I come back in, the whole crowd and apostles are down here arguing. When I read that, I get this image in my mind of a, a set of parents who decide finally that their 12-year-old is old enough to watch the other four kids while they run across town for just 30 minutes. And they get back and they're walking up the sidewalk and before they ever open the front door, they hear noise. And then they crack open the door and when they crack open the door, they dodge something that flies over their head. The dog's on the table. Somebody's doing pull-ups on the shower curtain rod and they, another one decided to mop the floor with maple syrup. And they're like, what's going on? I left you for 30 minutes. Jesus walks in. He's like, guys, I left you for just a little bit. What's, what's happening here? What's going on? And he asked the question, and the crowd answers and said, uh, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams, and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Chapter 6, go in my authority. I've been with you. You've seen me. You know me. Go in my authority. They preach repentance. They heal many. They cast out demons. Chapter 9, a lot of miracles, a lot of time here passes. We ask your disciples, and they were not able. What happened? Why the difference? These nine disciples were sought out. Don't miss this. These nine disciples were sought out by those in desperate need. These people were losing in the grip of satanic and demonic forces. Those disciples were given the opportunity to confront and cast out or cast away the demon to set them free, to rescue them from an impossible situation. A harassed and hurting father and son said to followers of Christ, Help us. Help us. Jesus shows up and he sees this argument and there's this sad commentary, I asked your disciples and they were not able. In discouragement and defeat, the disciples themselves asked privately what happened. In verse 28 of this same chapter, when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, he gives them an answer. I mean, look this way. Are you ever like that? Are you ever, are you ever like that? Discouraged, feeling like you, you just you don't know how to help people in impossible situations? Do you ever wonder privately why your witness or your work or your ability is so limited? Do you think it's possible that we may spend our time arguing passionately with a world in need? instead of compassionately acting to help the needs of the world. In going about their routine and handling their mission, they forgot the most important necessity. What had they forgotten? They had forgotten to what? Pray. They forgot to pray. Verse 29, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Anything but prayer. What, what's required to rescue people from impossible circumstances? Earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. And too often I do this too often we do this as a church. Maybe this happens in your life. We forget to pray. The enemy of our soul lulls us into a place of forgetfulness in regards to the power available to us to rescue those in desperate need. The disciples had authority. They had authority available to them over demons. And they got away from Jesus for a little while and forgot what was required to overcome an overwhelming enemy. They're caught up in an argument with those seeking their help. 
They couldn't, rep- they couldn't provide relief and rescue. Their people came looking for in them as followers of Christ. What? Why? They must have fallen back. They must have fallen back into a habit or a process or some kind of pragmatic activity. I mean, they had been in that scene before. They had confronted demons before. They had seen sick people before. They might scare us to death if we see someone foaming and grinding our teeth in front of us. We hadn't been around that very much, perhaps. The disciples had seen it before, and they weren't able to do anything about it. And must have, can't you just imagine those nine disciples, they're, they're in the argument, walks up, and they're like, oh, no, we're, we're, what are we going to do? And one of them says, we've got to put our hands on him. I'm not putting my hands on him. Yeah, we got to put our hands. And the other one says, no, we lift our hands like this over him. And another one says, well, you're not kneeling. Remember last time we knelt. So let's get down on our knees. All right, hands up on our knees. What was it we said? You remember what we said? Just say that again. And just have it, process. And, and they were not able. Here's what had happened. They found themselves fighting spiritual battles with fleshly weapons. And that'll happen in our lives. When we try to fix somebody's life, we try to counsel somebody's life, we try to advise somebody's life, we, we, we try to change a life. We can do things by habit and program and process. Remember what, remember what Paul told the church at Corinth the second letter, 2 Corinthians, he said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 21st century language, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. They are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. Ephesians 6, Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he said, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the enemy comes, you'll be able to stand. And he goes on and he says, pray, pray continually. Pray for us, their defeat. You know what? They, when they asked that question, why were we not able to cast it out? They didn't need a new skill set. They needed a reset. They needed to hear from Jesus what it took. You know what? You can, you can win football games with a process, but you cannot defeat the devil with a process. You cannot defeat spiritual powers with a process. You can't defeat spiritual, the spiritual enemy. The strongholds of our soul can't be torn down with habits and processes and, and, and pragmatic just chants and, and, and doing things that we, well, this worked last time. Their defeat and discouragement, it became a private matter with the Lord Jesus and he graciously gave them the only answer He says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. His answer points to what he knew was personal in his own life, and that was the necessity of prayer. And we need to to move away from seeing prayer as an option and seeing prayer as a necessity. Our frustration with the lives of others And the way they're living and acting around us may be an unintended exposure of a lack of compassion for the needs of others in their lives. And our lack of prayer may be an expression of unintended forgetfulness of how God really works through us. He said it takes prayer. Let me give you three reminders about how we can forget to pray. Number one, don't forget to pray so that people can be forever delivered from their impossible situation. Number one, don't forget to pray so that people can be forever delivered from their impossible situations. Verse 25, and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Anybody else in this room love that last phrase? Never enter him again. That work of Jesus, we can change our lives forever. 
never enter him again. And I want to say to all of us this morning, I'm saying it to myself, pastor, church, listen, don't forget to pray so that people can be forever delivered from their impossible situations. He goes on after crying out and convulsing him terribly. It came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. What you had here was a guy who basically was dead and Jesus raised him to life and that's the that's the good news of Jesus for every person God taught me this this summer Acts chapter 12 reading through that book the story of Peter persecution had broken out around the church Herod had had believers killed he had others put in prison and he puts Peter in prison and he's going to bring him out in front of the people certainly planning to kill Peter the next day and in Acts chapter 12, when Peter was in prison, listen to what the church was doing. Acts 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Peter's in prison. A believer's in an impossible situation. Earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night... Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. You know what happened? A miracle. A miracle happened. In a, in a believer's life. But what was it tied to? A miraculous rescue was linked to earnest prayer by the church. We cannot forget to pray. We cannot forget to pray. And we cannot forget to pray so that people can be forever delivered from their impossible situations. Number two, don't forget to pray so that we may avoid a disappointed Jesus. I can't imagine anything more painful than the Savior who died for me being disappointed in the way that I might live my life. It says in verse 18 of this chapter, whenever it seizes him, this Mark 9, whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. We ask your disciples to cast out. They were not able Verse 19, Jesus responds, and he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Prayerlessness is faithlessness. And I bet you're like me. We want our faith to please the Father. A third reason we can't forget to pray is this. Don't forget to pray so that you won't be discouraged and defeated. In verse 27, Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Verse 28, when he had entered the house, they pull apart, they get alone. It's a private session with his disciples. He entered the house. His disciples asked him privately. Not out there in public. Why would they ask him privately? Because they weren't celebrating success. They were licking their wounds. They had just confronted a demon and confronted a crowd. And Jesus shows up and he saw them not able to respond to that impossible situation. And they said, what happened? Why could we not cast him out? They were discouraged. They were defeated. I heard recently, I believe sometime this summer, that courage is fear that has said its prayers. And maybe they saw a situation that was overwhelming. Jesus says to them, it takes prayer. It takes prayer. They lost a battle. There's only one thing worse than losing, and that's losing to someone that should have never beaten you. And you know what? There is no time, listen closely, there is no time that the authority and power of Jesus is weaker than the enemy. If you've never said amen in your Baptist life, right now is the moment for you to say it. 
There is never a time when the authority and power of Jesus is weaker than the enemy. 31 years, this month marks 31 years as a pastor. 36 years I've known Jesus. 23 years as your pastor. It's easy. Here's what's easy. Here's the danger for me this morning as a 31-year pastor, as a 23-year pastor walking on this property at Watkinsville. Here's what's easy and dangerous. It is for your pastor to show up this morning having forgotten to pray. We can check it in. We can check the box. We can do it by habit. We can say, give me three Give, give, I can go to AI and say, I need a sermon with three good points and four clear illustrations. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm using script this morning. Y'all are wondering, did he just download that somewhere? No. no. It's easy to just do things by habit. And, and we, we, as a church, as a 143-year-old church, it's easy for us to forget to pray. Let me say, preachers, singers, teachers, ushers, greeters, parkers, givers, baby stroller pushers, pray. Pray when you're greeting people. Pray when you're parking people. Pray when you're singing over people. Pray when you're ushering people. Pray when you're pushing that baby. I'm telling you, the, the devil wants that baby. The devil wants your children. The devil wants our attention this morning. The devil wants to, he wants us to forget to pray above anything else. We cannot forget to pray. What things in your bag are you relying on instead of prayer? Don't forget to pray. So how do we do it? What kind of prayer? When do I pray? What, what does that look like? Well, I want to I I show you, okay? I want you, to, I, wanna, I want you to give me five minutes, and I want you to watch something with me. And hear me. It's raw. It's unedited. It was not built for this moment. But I have permission, all right? A little over a week ago, our families, 11 of us, counting the grandbaby now, all the way at the beach, Spent a week together there, wonderful, relaxing week. We, Saturday morning, it's about 94 degrees already. We all wind up having cleaned up a little bit, and we wind up in this one room for just a second. So all, all of us are standing there and say, hey, let's pray for our trips. I remember praying, Lord, don't let our ride home today steal the joy that we've experienced this week. And And... And uh, we leave, and, and we've learned now, Carl and I have gotten clued in, that our three married couples in our family do things together and don't include us. <laughs> they got their own group text. And, and um, <laughs> they all, those three couples went to eat after we left, ate breakfast together. And, and we just start on our way home, and, and, and they're eating breakfast. Well, we get this all group text, all sibling fam group text, that Connor and Emily, our second-born son, that live in Nashville, and the text says, 60 seconds into our drive after breakfast, we hit a massive pothole, destroyed our tire, and bent the rim. And, and the situation was now, it's, after, it's around noon or after 95 degrees on Saturday uh, down on the coast of Florida. And they got eight hours ahead of them. They've got to get home. It's raw, it's unedited, enjoy, and watch. Okay, so I figured since we're all in the car, a video update would be appropriate. We basically, you guys know we blew our tire, went to the tire shop that had a tire for us, and they ended up telling us that our rim was bent, that they can't just replace it, that we need new rims. We called the rim place, the rim store, <laughs> the Nissan dealership and they couldn't get one until Tuesday and we checked Amazon not to mention the one available Tuesday would be $850 plus labor yeah and then this one on Amazon was maybe like 400 but wouldn't come until Wednesday so we're googling where can we stay asking friend like just thinking about friends that we have here all this all the stuff 
And then we decided just to stop and just like ask for the Lord's hand and provision. And Emily, my wife said, we haven't even prayed, Connor. We need to pray. <laughs> so we prayed and Connor's praying over the whole situation and we say, amen. We look up, the tired guy from the shop is walking back towards us and we're like, and we rolled down the window. We'd already done our goodbyes. We'd been sitting in the parking lot for 20 minutes trying to figure out what we were going to do. And he walks back up. We rolled down the window and he goes, Hey man, I found these tires on Facebook Marketplace. Literally. $150, 15 minutes away. And we're like, we look at each other like, I was trying not to cry because I was like, the timing. Amen. Hey man, found these tires on Facebook Marketplace. Literally, literally he said, in Jesus' name I pray. And then I opened my eyes and he was in front of my car and tapped on my window and said, Hey man. Found these right here on the on basic marketplace. This guy's got them for 150. So, They're a little smaller, but they'll work great right on there. They say it will be fine to get us home. So we go meet the guy. He's awesome. They're 150. That's saving probably 850 dollars total, like just by doing this. He put them all on our car for us, like using all his machines and whatnot. And you can go from there because I was out. I, I sat so, in the car the whole time for that part. So yeah, we went, found this guy, sent him a text to go meet him at his place that he works so he could go get the tires. We pull up, got a big old, it's an older fella. Emily said, he, it, you know, she looked at his Facebook and was like, I don't know, is it safe? And I said, he's literally just an old country guy living in Florida. And uh, looked like, kind of like Arnold, like Arnold Humbert if he kept drinking. And, um, <clears throat> and we went to meet him in the back service area of this used car dealership. My hands are very dirty. Just mm -hmm. nice and um pull up he's got the tires in the back of his car his grandkid was in the car and he comes up i show him the spare tire he said yeah i got i got some we'll do it he unscrews it let jacks it up unscrews the tire puts the new one on there goes over to the second one unscrews him goes all the way around unscrews every single one and when he finishes it uh i, I said hey man like will you take 180 for your trouble um and he's like oh man yeah i really appreciate that because we had pulled out 20s and we only had in 20s and um and then asked him if he would put some air in the tire as soon as he finishes putting air in the tire i said hey man can i tell you a cool story and i got to share with him what happened to me and emily how we were just torn up couldn't figure out what to do we we're gonna be stuck here and we said lord emily we said <laughs> emily said uh we need to pray about it and i said as soon as we said in jesus name amen i opened my eyes and the guy who we had already said goodbye to was walking up to my car and tapped the window and said hey there's a guy right here selling these nissan tires for 150 dollars and i said so whether you know it or not you are an answer to our prayer today and and we are just grateful to the lord and grateful for you and and being here and he said man that's that's awesome and i said is there anything we can do to pray for you anything going on in your life anything that we can do we're just really grateful and he said man that right there that is it y'all you just tell me who sent you. That's that's all I needed. And I said, man, well, hey, man, we're grateful. And I uh, said, you you got a better jack in there? You, all you got is that, what jack you got in there? I said, yeah, I just got this wrench and jack that comes with the car. And he said, hold up one second. And he walked back into the car shop and grabs a brand new jack, <laughs> a bigger one, and walks out hands to me. He said, you got a tool you can stick in there to crank it? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I got one. And Hopefully we never have to use it. Uh, he said, I mean, hopefully you don't have to use it, you know, but it's way better than that one you got in there, so just stick it back there and you'll be good. And I said, wow, man, thank you. Thank you very much. And put it in my car and we drove off. So that's it. Now we're headed to Nashville. We got seven hours on our we'll, maps. We'll be there before 11 o'clock. Nothing like a little delay and a little provision from the Lord. Emily <laughs> said, what's God going to do good out of this, you know, because he's always going to work something good out of it. So what could he do out of this? And we got to bless an old man and be blessed by an old man. We we're really, really grateful. So cool! So that's our update. We're now headed to Nashville. We yeah. hope all of y'all's drives are going equally. Not equally as good, because I guess it kind of turned into a good <laughs> day for yours us. Yours are better than ours. I'm really happy right now, so I hope y'all are all happy on your drive. All right, that's it. <laughs> oh. Let me ask you. What pothole has you needing to pray? What habit or process has been substituted for earnest prayer? What impossible situation in the life of another person needs you not to forget to pray? Caleb, come.
I'll ask you to bow. Caleb begins to play and let's do it. Let's pray. Get rid of the substitutes and pray. What impossible situation in the life of another person needs your prayers. Your impossible situation may start with just giving your life to Christ today. And if you've never trusted him for forgiveness of sin, would you call out to him to save you? And he will do it right then. Ask him to forgive you. Turn from what you've been trusting in and trust him alone for your salvation. And he'll answer. There is never a time. Everyone else in the room, remember, there's never a time where the power and authority of Jesus is not greater than our enemy.